righty, everybody. Hello and welcome back to episode number six, draft reactions and an early rookie draft here at the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I'll tell you, the boys are pretty fired up. We finally got a little bit of football here this last weekend. Uh, eyes were glued on the TV. Uh, Armin, I guess we'll take it to you first. Armin, what do you, what do you think? What's new and exciting? Uh, I guess we'll talk about the draft in a little bit here, but uh, what do you figure? Wow. You know what? Firstly, you got to say, may the 4th be with everyone. And also, happy Cinco de Mayo. I'm having tacos on Cinco de Mayo here with my wife, and it's going to be wonderful. And my son will get his first taste of secondhand tacos. So, the uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think there's like if I had to draft 101 of foods, I think I might be taking tacos. There uh, <laughs> doesn't get much better than tacos. Uh, and our special guest here for part two of our uh, of our double header episode, uh, Zach Strong. How are you doing? Uh, how are we doing so far here, Zach? Doing well. Thanks again, you guys, for having me. Um, Super happy here to be talking about the draft. Honestly, the draft is, it might be my favorite single day um, football event in the calendar. Um, I was looking forward to the draft for three months and then it all kind of comes down to that, that one day. Um, they're not wrong as they introduce draft day when they're talking about everybody. Everybody feels like they have a chance um pat's got mac jones so watch out you guys the mac attacks on the way didn't even have to trade up for him just let him fall all the way down not a bit worked out pretty well for him um i love what he uh whispered in belichick's ear there what was it zach you probably remember don't what? tell me i wanted to be here something like that or i wanted to oh, be here yeah yeah don't tell anybody well you just said it on national television so i think you just <laughs> told everybody got the hot <laughs> mic yeah yeah um, well, first of all, thank you everybody that partook in the, uh, in our draft day giveaway, uh, big congratulations to Lucas Wells, who, uh, who won our nice little prize there. We did a Instagram live on the giveaway. So, uh, his prize pack will be, uh, will be arriving shortly. So, um, I'll also mention, we've already got our hands on our, our next, uh, secret, I guess we'll say our secret giveaway. They'll be coming up. Uh, I guess me and Armin kind of figure maybe we'll do one for the season kickoff maybe or the kickoff to draft season but we got a nice nice new prize uh, ready to give away for our, our next uh, giveaway so stay tuned for that. Um, I guess we'll, uh, we'll get her started here. Um, first segment we'll do the uh, insiders and headliners. So couple things to take care of before we start getting into this our uh, draft reactions um, the first one happened a little bit before the draft uh, Antonio Brown uh, resigning with Tampa Bay for one year 3.1 million so uh, what are, what's our I mean obviously this makes the already receiving room that's already crowded a little bit more crowded but what do we figure there guys that's it's good for them uh, bad for me bad for my Tyler Johnson shares bad for my one Scotty Miller share but uh, to have Antonio Brown as your most likely your third receiver, that uh, that makes that a very special receiving room. Um, like, go ahead, you can take one of those guys out, uh, double cover one of them, roll the safety that way. But you still have two Pro Bowl caliber players that you're you're leaving single covered. So. Um, I think it makes that offense very special. Armin? Yeah, it, it does. And I'm with your, you with the Tyler Johnson shares. Yeah, how's, I just, our, uh, how's our Tyler Johnson trade looking <laughs> now, Armin? 
Yeah, I just made a trade with uh, Jordan there, traded away Carson Wentz for Tyler Johnson. Now, this isn't a super flex league, so any of you in super flex don't get all worried there because I still got Kyler Murray and Derek Carr as my QBs, but uh, I was hoping to get a young, good prospect, and he could still get it, but uh, hurts a little bit, hurts the heart a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, special receiving core. Is Tampa Bay going to go two in a row? That's what everybody's thinking now for sure. They got all their starters back. Like everyone thinks it's it's already a done deal, but I got to remind everyone that's what we thought about Kansas City last year around this time too. So, yeah. you know, just uh, the, the game's still got to be played and there's still other great teams out there that can compete with them. I think uh, I think he was the very last piece to finally put the puzzle back together, re-signing every single starter from the team. That's uh, that's well impressive in itself. And I guess he wasn't even a day one starter off the hop. He came in there partway through, and but man, oh man, like I think if you're a win now team, if you can pick him up on a little bit on the cheap side, I think you're gonna be doing yourself uh, doing yourself well because <laughs> people people think that uh, he's maybe the two or the three in the off in the offense there, but what was it episode number three, Armin, when we did our uh, our guess who's some of those stats that are getting read off for Antonio Brown. He still got some juice in the tank and he was one of Tom's favorite targets there on the Tampa Bay offense. So I think, uh, I think he might be a little trade now target. You might be able to get him a little bit on the discount just because he's getting a little bit older there. Maybe now these re-signed with Tampa. Next piece of uh, news leading up to the draft uh, was that Carolina traded uh, Teddy Bridgewater to Denver for a sixth round pick uh, in this trade. The Panthers were going to eat 3 million of the contract and Denver was going to pay the other $3 million. So a uh, little bit lower on the picks. Everybody's like, oh, you got to steal, you got to steal. Yeah, you're still eating that $7 million portion of the contract. But overall, what's our – I mean, we obviously saw the draft happen now, so it's, uh, it's a little bit old news now. But was this the right move for, for Denver here, or, or what do you guys think? Well, looking at who was on the board for their first pick, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, – <laughs> You know, Teddy Teddy Bridgewater's a little underrated, I think. Like he was, he came out as a high praise prospect, and like he can still do do some damage. I think I he could. I think he definitely will beat out Drew Lock. That might be a bit bold statement there, but I think he will, and he'll end up being the the QB there this year. But um, I mean, Fields was still available at that point too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you, like, for all three of us, we had Fields as our QB2 going into the draft. How do you pass that up when he's still on the board at that spot? I I don't know. So, I mean, they stuck to their guns. They showed they had a commitment to Teddy and Drew Locke, but oh, oh. It wasn't long ago when everybody was saying Drew Locke is the next breakout candidate and oh boy, did he prove everybody wrong there, I think in a big <laughs> way, but I don't know. I um, I guess we'll kind of get into the draft a little bit there, but I think I personally think this is obviously a huge upgrade for Teddy. And uh, I'll mention, I was on another podcast there um, earlier last week. I actually dropped today on the NC squared podcast, a quick shout out to, uh, to the boys on the NC squared podcast on their Saskatchewan uh, sports related podcast. And, and they had asked me about my reactions on it. And, and I think Teddy Bridgewater obviously gives a bit of a tick up to all the fantasy assets there. But I did mention that I truly think that the Broncos are quarterback away from the Super Bowl. I said, in comparison, like everybody's saying, okay, the Rams, they needed a quarterback to do it. They need a quarterback to do it. They got Matthew Stafford. 
So now a lot of people are thinking that the Rams are a potential favorite now to win the Super Bowl because they were just a, a quarterback away from doing it. They got the great defense. They got the weapons. Well, I mean, you got to look at Denver's <laughs> Denver's roster. Like that that defense defensively, they've got to be one of the best teams in the league. And then you look at all the all the weapons they have on their roster, including some of the players they picked up in the draft. They got to be a quarterback away from the Super Bowl too. And I think this was an opportunity. I don't know if it was maybe they were a little bit a little bit shook with the <laughs> with trying to go after Aaron Rodgers three minutes before the draft started or what happened there. But you got to think that maybe it gives them a little bit of an uptick to the to the weapons in that offense. Yeah. Uh, Rogers, he woke up on Thursday morning and, and he chose violence, like <laughs> start the world on fire. <laughs> yeah. Like as it, like, I don't know how you can possibly think putting that out there hours before the draft is a good idea. If you're honestly trying to get a trade figured out, like this isn't like a, you give me a fifth this year and I'll give you a fourth next year kind of trade. Yeah, it is like franchise defining, shifting the the landscape of the NFL kind of trade. So, yeah. So I guess that kind of leads us well into this. Was our obviously our next topic was the Aaron Aaron Rodgers saga that's just continuously evolving here. Uh, so the the reports are going out that apparently Green Bay had said that they would actually go out and look for trades this offseason. That I, I haven't confirmed that, but that's what a lot of reports are saying online right now that they actually had told him that, that we would not for sure trade you, but we would be open to it. And then the very first offer that came through and knocked on the door was San Francisco. San Francisco had apparently given a pretty good offer and nothing concrete, but mostly in a negotiation. And uh, it sounded like Green Bay basically told them to go fly a kite. And as soon as those reports started going, it, it snowballed in a hurry. And then all of a sudden Rogers was a lock to go to Denver and it was a guaranteed slam dunk two minutes before the draft. And then all of a sudden it snowballed to a, no, if you don't, if you don't trade me, I'm going to retire. I'm going to be a full-time Jeopardy host. Like it's, that's my, that's my passion. That's my calling now. And now there's statements going on about if you don't fire the GM, I quit. Uh, There's rumors of him getting traded here. Rumors of getting traded there. And it's just an ongoing saga. I guess might as well start it off point blank. Ask the question. Do either of you guys think he legitimately gets traded? Uh, Green Bay seems pretty stubborn here. They're kind of, we've talked about it before, like more of an old school mentality in their front office. Like you see players in the, the NFL starting more like the NBA here, where it's they have a little bit more power in what's going on and a little bit more say. And I think Green Bay is kind of like, yeah, we're having none of that. You, you have us or you have a contract with us you're going to play with us and if you decide to sit out well that's on you not on us kind of thing so exactly. it, yeah well, I, I think he gets traded um i do um armin you talked about the the green bay front office being stubborn uh well, I think Aaron Rodgers might out stubborn anybody. <laughs> if there's um, anyone who's going to be, I, I think it would be Rodgers. I, yeah, I agree. He, he's cut off most of his family. Doesn't talk to them. Um, anybody that that's, that is that petty, that stubborn. I think you can make, you make, you make a lot of waves. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Armand. Um, NFL is headed I think towards the way the NBA is 
where if you are a star player, you have a lot more power, a lot more control of over where you go. And I think that's a great, a great thing. Like these guys have little to no say where they go out of, uh, out of university. Um, like kids coming out of high school have more say of where they end up in university than, uh, these future pros do coming out of, out of university. So, um, they're the ones that puts the butt butts and seats. So they should have, they should have all the say, uh, in the world. Like if a coach wants to leave for a promotion, a coach wants to leave for whatever reason, players should be able to leave too. I think so. Yeah. I hope that's kind of the way it goes. The problem, the problem is it's, are you willing to call the bluff? And you have to take it for face value when a player says, I will sit out. Well, what's going to happen? And I mean, we've seen it a couple of times with running backs now that are you willing to sit out? And, and it hasn't really panned out for a lot of those running backs. Like, look, right. Lev Bell, it didn't really work out. Melvin Gordon didn't really work out. Now, quarterback, that's a totally different ball game. And I know the NFL has put new rules for about sitting out and, and, the, and losing money and losing like, so like, all those types of things. And it's new rules to basically try and stop it. But Aaron Rodgers at this point, what is there left to win? You've won everything. So if truly, if you, like when he said, I would literally rather be the Je- like the host of Jeopardy, if he wants to retire and call it quits, well, then, then really Green Bay's sitting there. And what do they have left? Uh, a memory of him and Jordy Nelson. That's all they got. And, <laughs> and, and no quarterback, I guess, will uh, trade up first round Jordan Love, I guess. But um, I don't know. I've you got to hope that they get something for him at least. Well, yeah. as a Vikings fan, I don't, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you, if, if, they, if he leaves or he has traded, how bad is the NFC North going to be? Like, it's going to be awful. Like, awful, awful. My Vikings should win, I hope. Well, oh, Fields in Chicago, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my lines are sitting there just uh, Jim Carrey. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> they, may, they may not win the crown this year, but I think they won the draft. Like, Oh yeah, the, uh, Lions had a great draft. Yeah, that's uh, there, there's hope. Hey, there's hope, and we got a we got a good draft class coming in next year with some good draft capital. Oh, I mean, I'll take my lumps for another year. I've done it for a couple of years. What's one more? <laughs> yeah, uh, that leads us in well here, fellas. Uh, might as well start hitting off the draft. Um, so no surprises in the first first two picks. Obviously, uh, Lawrence got him up on the wall there, one hundred one, no brainer. Uh, after that. Um, 102, same thing, pretty much a no-brainer. We had uh, Zach Wilson go off the board. Then after that, where a lot of people said the kind of draft took took a turn, or, or uh, people were kind of flip-flopping on what they anticipated to happen. And San Francisco takes uh, takes Trey Lance at 103. I know Zach, your hot take was that you're all in on the San Francisco 49er quarterback, whoever it is. So I mean, you want to take a swing at this one first? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Trey Lance is in a great spot. Um, it's a very interesting spot. I think um, Trey Lance played one game last year. So uh, he hasn't really played much uh, since 2019 season, but uh, now enter San Francisco. Who's there with you, Jimmy G. Um, what they do with Jimmy G is going to be really interesting. I think you can, um, I think the right thing to do would be let him sit behind Jimmy G. I think you're a win now team. But then that's two years of not playing football. Um, so I can I can understand both sides of the argument. Yeah. Uh, letting Trey Lance play, get his feet wet, 
but also letting him sit and develop. I think both both sides of the argument are are fair. They both make sense to me. So I'll be very interested to see what happens. Um, and then talking about uh, calling a bluff, I think uh, I think the NFL called the 49ers bluff yeah. if the Niners wanted to get rid of Jimmy G. Mm. And now, like, no team's going to give them a first, like, really. No. So I think a lot of people are him and Han. Obviously, Mac Jones was the name going around there, and Mac Jones ends up in New England. So as a Patriots guy, I know we talked about a little bit there, Mac Jones and, and we trust as the as the new taken on model for the Patriots. Yeah. But the other name that was thrown around was potentially that uh, Justin Fields. They were throwing out smoke bombs that it was between these two other guys, and all of a sudden they were sneaking and take Justin Fields. But but Fields ended up getting dropped, 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 dropped all the way down to eleven where Chicago trades up and takes him out at uh, pick 11. Armin, what, uh, what, what do you figure about that? I know you had him as your, your second quarterback to watch for there. Yeah, well, first I just want to piggyback off what Zach said about Lance there. And I, I think you got to let him play. You see how San Fran actually was fairly productive with Nick Mullins at quarterback. So I think let him play, let him develop a play, and I think it won't hurt him because – that offensive system can can run with a mediocre quarterback, so a developing quarterback it can probably run as well, and um, that's a great pick for San Fran with his mobility along with those Yakiard Kings that they have in San Fran. I think that's going to be a nightmare for defenses to cover. Now on to to Fields there, um, that whole like movement in the draft there of all those trades that you can see that uh, Philly trading up to get Smith there, the Eagles trading up there, gave Chicago the opportunity to, to get fields, I think. If it wasn't for that, like the Giants, obviously were looking at getting a receiver there and they wanted Smith. And without that move, Chicago doesn't get fields. So I think Chicago fans, you got you to gotta thank Philly for that one. <laughs> I love I love the fact that that trade happened interdivision too. Just yeah. Jerry, Jerry Jones just saying, you know what? I hate the Giants more than I hate. The <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I am a little worried about him in Chicago though. I know we said landing spots don't matter last week, and I agreed with you. Um, but Chicago just has a bad history of wrecking QBs lately. Like, I think it, Trubisky's elite though. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm worried about that. I really, and like, I really wanted to cheer for fields. I remember telling you this during the draft, Jordan, that yeah. like, I like fields. I want to cheer for him, but going to Chicago, I'm like, I don't know if I can cheer for him there. Again, my Vikings uh, glasses coming on again. And, and um, North, I hope not. Well, we, we talked about that on the pod last week there, two weeks ago, Zach. I was saying, oh, I'm going to have to watch Justin Fields with interdivision until the next 20, 30 years. And now that's <laughs> mine and Armin's nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> We're living it. Yeah. Really yeah. happy that you guys have to live that uh, that nightmare. I just have to watch babyface Zach Wilson. Yeah, it'll be 20, 20 30 years of Fields <laughs> stomping us. It'll be 20, 30 years. And, and babyface won't even have a speck of hair on him yet, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All I got to hope is that uh... – Fields has the same career path as Tannehill. That's fingers crossed for that. Sorry, Justin Fields. I hope you dive bomb for one or two years and then go somewhere new and take off. 
Yeah, hit a big glow up on that second contract. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, so, okay. I'm taking this one here as a Detroit Lions fan. I gotta be pretty excited about this one. <laughs> I mean, everybody's, tra- everybody's saying, Hey, uh, Chicago steal of the draft, Chicago steal of the draft. I, uh, I think it's kind of underrated because it was so early. Like the steal of the draft, you gotta kind of have a guy slide and really a two pick slide. I don't think is much, but when there was rumors that the jets might actually take, uh, Penny Sewell at the one Oh two and ride out Darno, this is obviously pre Darno trade. That and he ends up coming down to the Lions here at the 107. Yeah, you're gonna love it. You're gonna react just the way the Lions draft room reacted. <laughs> grown men are chest bumping each other and going bananas. Like you're gonna love it. Um, so when people say that the steal of the draft is fields, I guess a, a quarterback sliding to 11 that is a pretty big steal. But when you have probably one of the highest touted offensive linemen uh, in I don't even know how long. And you get him to slide all the way to pick seven because uh, Cincinnati has a bit of a brain cramp and they're playing fantasy football instead of NFL football. I'm going to love every second of it as a Lions fan. Just like you mentioned that the building blocks build it from the ground up foundational pieces. You don't ever tell anybody to come over and say, Hey, look at my, look at my brand new shingles, like, or look at my brand new, like concrete pad in my front yard, because those aren't the exciting things. You want to show people the new kitchen, the new countertops, you know, but uh, you can't just throw brand new countertops on a, on a pile of garbage. So build a foundation and my lines are coming in hot. I love it. Uh, so anyways, like I mentioned it. Jamar Chase ended up going to the Bengals. Okay, Bengals, they go receiver. They play fantasy football instead of protecting Joe Burrow. He's got one torn ACL. and might as well tear the other one, I guess, if you, if you can't protect him. Uh, what do you guys figure about that pick? Do you guys think that was a smart move? Or do you, I mean, it might make you a little more excited for fantasy football, but. In in this economy, I would not have taken uh, Chase over uh, either of the tackles that were there. Um, yeah, I think that's that's just risky business. That's asking for uh, for bad things to happen. Like I get it; they were fantastic two years ago at LSU. Lights out. Um, but uh, to think that the O line that you had last year is going to be good enough this year um i just think that's maybe uh gambling on on joe burrow's future a little bit yeah the definition of insanity is repeating the same task and expecting a different <laughs> result. like you just you watched your franchise 101 quarterback completely blow his knee like torn every possible piece of, of fabric you have in your knee and now you're like all right let's just uh let's draft this franchise receiver instead and yeah. well, is Chase going to sit in, in the box and block for you? Well, no. So, I mean, like you mentioned, you're really putting your 101 franchise in, in jeopardy by not protecting him. So, I mean, that was a big chatter in, in the draft world. Uh, obviously, Twitter was a buzz. The, the, the draft network was a buzz. Going, going receiving weapons over protection. I mean, Armin, now, well, we talked about this during draft day a little bit. We thought it was a little bit... Uh, little bit odd but uh now with him going to a pretty premier landing spot and making that connection again um what, what do you what do you think there is he is he still the clear-cut one for receivers you think yeah i think so uh you know smith might you might have an argument for him um uh, but uh with with where his landing spot was in philly but uh i think chase is an an alpha who's going to come into a team and be be the alpha right um 
he'll he'll beat out T Higgins and Tyler Boyd for targets. Easy, especially with having that connection with Joe Burrow already. The question is, will Joe Burrow have the time to throw him the ball? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, with that speed, maybe all Joey needs is uh, one second to get him the ball. One second <laughs> up, it's out. Here's yeah. a question for you guys. I was asked this on the podcast there on the NC Squared podcast. They asked me this question, and it actually kind of made me stop and think for a little bit. Um, now, with these three new connections, college connections, Tua to Waddle, Hurts to Smith, and Burrow to Chase. Okay, all three were premier targets for the quarterbacks while they played college, Alabama, Alabama, and LSU. Which of the three do you think that solid connection is going to continue and carry over more and maybe are going to have a, a, a more of a, I would say, rookie breakout season because of having that solid connection with their quarterback already? I'm going to say Chase. I think he's the one who probably had more of a connection with, with his guy. Um, Hurts was behind um, behind Tua in Alabama before Tua got hurt, eh? And then Mac Jones was Smith's guy. You know, they both, both Waddle and Smith went on record. And so that goes back to Tua and Waddle as well, right? But they said that uh, Mac Jones was their guy. That So obviously they built better connections with Mac Jones than, than the two other quarterbacks there at Bama. Whereas Chase clearly had a connection with, with Joey. So I think there's more of a connection already built there with those two that you can continue to see probably going forward in the future here, especially year one. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Thursday morning, the report was that uh, Burrow sent Chase a text say, uh, saying, pack your bags, we're coming to get you. <laughs> so, like, they're, it sounds like they're buddies. It sounds like they have a great connection. So, um, If only Aaron Rodgers had that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just that alone, that's going to be – going to be my pick and then building off what you said there armand i also agree um like waddle and tua like sure they're teammates but uh it's 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 out there it's on the it's in the media that uh waddle stated that he prefers jones better than tua um hopefully tua doesn't take take that too personally and then with uh smith and hertz Hertz was there three years ago, and then two years ago he moved to Oklahoma, and then last year he's in Philly. So I'm not even sure if they would have had a lot of time to to play together because Smith would have been scout team. He would have been the second team. So, um, like, yes, they're both from Alabama, but I don't know how much of a connection or a chance to um, play together there would have been. Who knows if they even talk to each other? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I think uh, this one, this one, I think we kind of talked about the Aaron Rodgers and part of the problem was not drafting receivers. And and I think a lot of people had uh, had them penciled in to take them maybe a, a round one receiver and uh, they go a different route. So Eric Stokes from Georgia. And to me, I had, the, I had Tyson Campbell as Georgia's number one cornerback i don't even have stokes as the number one corner on on the team and they go corner and obviously the whole aaron Rodgers thing kind of spiraled from there too um but it was that was that shocking to either of you i, I mean I haven't <laughs> what did I, I wrote it down here 
They haven't taken a first round receiver since 2002 and they haven't dropped, they hadn't drafted a receiver since 2018. So, I mean, it's been a while. Uh, so obviously that'd have been the first time since 02, they'd have taken a first round receiver. So it was, was it really shocking? I don't know. What do you guys figure? I thought, I thought it was likely that they would have went receiver. Um, just with everything swirling with Rogers, I thought they might try to just calm the waters and take best receiver on their board and just be like, here, here's your new toy. Yeah, we did it. Shut up. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought, I thought Bateman would have been a great fit there. Um, he goes to Baltimore. So then I thought, all right, great. Elijah Moore, uh, little guy that has inside outside versatility. That's great. And then yeah, Eric Stokes, uh, a little surprising. So, but they, they did need help on the outside there at corner. So who knows, maybe in a couple of years, we'll be like, Oh, he's a great player. Good fit. Yeah, right. Great decision. Uh, Armin, you are with me. Do you want to, I, I don't know. I think this is my last two cents here for the draft. Cause after this, I might have to take a second and, and uh, clear my frustrations, but you're with me when the draft happened, maybe, uh, maybe tell everybody uh, what happened on, on pick 25 there in the draft. Oh, <laughs> Oh man, I I was scared to talk to you, man. <laughs> Etienne got picked there. Okay, Dino. Um, from what we were talking before we started recording here, like I didn't know that little tidbit of information that uh, that Florida or not Florida Jacksonville was eyeing up uh, up uh, Tony there um, to to pick him, and and then he got picked, and it was, sounds like it was kind of a panic pick to pick Etienne, but I mean that's that's rough for robertson and like it's not like robertson's a bad back like i've watched this film he looks good like he's not a home run hitter but he's solid he gets yards he catches the ball well he protects well like he's a good workhorse back and then they pick up etienne it's like what to to fill everybody to fill everybody in here between our last episode where we did keep trade cut and I said I had trade trade get shares of I ended up trading for James Robinson and I got my I got a bit of James Robinson stock and then that stock turned into literally nothing so uh, James Robinson owner and not pumped about it one bit I mean (laughs) like maybe he wins out the job so now here's a serious question I need to ask myself. In the draft, I have the pick 102, 105, 108. Now, do I have to reach and take him as a handcuff or do I just wipe him off my board and hope that just James Robinson's the guy and he's going to win the job? I, it's not a great position. I'll be real honest. <laughs> like, yeah. All you should do is you should trade me that 105. <laughs> oh yeah for 103 i'll do it straight up <laughs> um anything else to take away from the draft you guys i think uh it was interesting um having all these guys that we talked about two weeks ago and then just having some really poor confusing landing spots yeah um i don't think it was a fantasy players uh you know wasn't their dream scenario for a lot of these fits. I think we got spoiled last year with the running backs with how the running backs fell last year. Um, even with like Dobbins in Baltimore, it was, I think it was clear to quite a few people that Ingram was going to move on. So um, 
we got spoiled last year and then we got brought back to reality this year where um there's only really one clear-cut guy in that position group this year so yeah the thing people forget is there is a clear definition between nfl and what nfl needs to do for nfl and then what fantasy football or twitter fans mm-hmm. or whatever what they want and there's a clear definition between the two and i think like you mentioned we really got checked in the reality after this that teams are going to do what's best for the teams i think a prime example we talked about a little bit in our group chat was pat pat Fryermuth. you know the pittsburgh it's not bad but man there's so many mouths to feed i was i was warming up to pat and a little bit i was getting more excited about him and getting the consolation because i know i'm not getting pits in my in our draft so uh, I was getting a little bit warmed up to the fact of maybe reaching for Friarmouth. And it's like, man, like now in Pittsburgh, they're, they just drafted Najee. They got, they got all three receivers. They still have Ebron. Now Friarmouth coming in. It's like, man, it's just one of those ones where it's like, I wish something else could happen. But there was a lot of time, a lot of things like that. You know, like in early second round, lots of teams are primed up to take running backs. Well, we saw one go off the board and then we didn't see another one until what the fourth round. It was just, it was a bit of a head scratcher. And it just, I mean, that's like we got, like you said, NFL teams got to do what's best for NFL teams. And us fantasy football folks can sit here and cry about it. Uh, and hope that James Robinson does real good, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. as, as a whole fantasy uh, class this year, it's going to be like wine. It's just going to age better with time. You know, like these aren't going to be players that we can just pick and play right away for most of it. Like there's going to be a handful that we can this year, but. Um, these are going to be players that we pick and we have them sit on our dynasty roster for one or two years before we finally start seeing something happen. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with you. I think, I think the best advice that we could give the listeners is with those guys that aren't producing right off the hop would be uh, just wait. Maybe they have a couple poor games at the start of the season. And then, and then you find those owners that are, are in a panic because they use the, the 104 for Williams, the 106 for ETN, and they're not getting that return on their investment. That's when you take advantage of those guys. You say, buy low, buy low, buy yeah. low. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, uh, that's pretty good. I think, I, I think, well, I shouldn't say, I think I know that either myself or Armin is going to get uh, Javante Williams. And that's, <laughs> he's like, I think he's going to be a prime candidate to be, he's going to be uh, RBC this whole season, I think, and then Melvin's going to move on and then he is going to absolutely glow up the year following, I think. So whoever gets Williams in our draft will have to block my number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can't, can't be much worse than some of the offers we've been getting in that league. So I'm going to get a burner phone (laughs) texting you guys at all hours of the night. Are you up? I want Williams. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I guess there's no keep trade cut this week, you guys. We're gonna we're gonna block it just with uh we had a lot to talk about, obviously the draft day special and, and recapping everything. That kind of took the took the reins for keep trade cut this week. Uh so we'll be coming back with that one in our next episode. Um so this one now I guess that leads us right into our off-season segment. And uh for this one, what we're gonna be doing, you guys, is we are doing a rookie draft. And a little bit different than your standard rookie draft, um, just because we don't we don't really want to give away too much about where we're targeting guys in the draft, et cetera, et cetera. And, and obviously a lot of other people are doing those same types of rookie drafts. So what we're going to do is we're going to fill an active roster with our rookie drafts. So we're going to draft seven players. Uh, we're going to draft a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, 
and a flex. So we got to have seven. So we're filling the whole active roster. Uh, and we're kind of going at this, I would say, from a dynasty perspective. Because uh, like we just mentioned, from a redraft perspective, I don't think we're really, really pumped from the whole draft itself. There's going to be obviously a few guys that pop off and do their thing. But uh, we don't expect there to be 21 players that are going to make an a NFL impact from day one. So we're kind of going at this from obviously a dynasty perspective, much the same as your rookie drafts are going to be dynasty perspectives as well, too. So uh, before we started today, uh, we drew names and Zach drew the 101. Uh, I am the 102. And then Armand uh, is the 103 and then 201 coming back in the snake draft format. So rookie draft here, three team rookie draft. 21 players are coming off the board at to fill an active roster. So Zach, you are officially on the clock with your 101 pick. All right. So, well, once I found out I was picking 101, I had it down to two guys. It was either going to be Chase or Harris. Um, the wide receiver position is a lot deeper um, than the running back position. So that made me taking Harris made that a very easy decision. So, with 1-1, one, one, I took Najee Harris. Um, he's in the best lining spot of all the running backs this year. Out of any running back that was drafted, he has the clearest path for immediate year, run or year one production. Um, he's got that receiving and rushing upside. Um, think maybe even, not to put too much on him, but like Lev Bell, since he's with the Steelers, that, that kind of production perhaps. Um, the only drawbacks that kind of get me a little nervous is, uh, the offensive line per PFF is 17th overall in the league. So very middling. And like, I think Jordan said so many mouths to feed in that offense, uh, three really good receivers, not to mention, uh, James Washington. So, and then the two tight ends. So Lots of guys there, but I think Harris is a smash at 101. Well, that makes my decision real easy at the 102. Um, much the same as my dynasty draft. I'm sitting at 102, so it's just whoever falls to me, and I'm comfortable taking whoever. Um, it was either me, Harris, or it was going to be Chase. And obviously, Zach taking Harris made my decision real easy. I am going to take at the 102 position, I'm going to take Jamar Chase. Um, he's on my rankings. He's the number one. Uh, I do have Devonta Smith quite high, but I, I think 102 – is a little bit rich for him because there is other players I like off the draft board a little bit higher than Smith. Um, but this pick is fairly straightforward. I'm going to take Jamar Chase, the, the monster. Jamar Chase, Cincinnati LSU connection. All right. That leaves me at the third overall pick here. And, uh, you know, looking at this draft board here, there's uh, three um, number ones for tight end, running back, and wide receiver. The number one for running back and wide receiver are both gone. So I think I got to take the number one at tight end and Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida to Atlanta. Um, I mean, it's a generational, he's touted as a generational talent. And if there's one available, I think you got to take him, right? You got to take him. Um, and we've talked in the past about how tight end is overlooked a little bit in fantasy. If you can get a stud tight end in fantasy, you are just, it makes everything a whole lot easier. Um, it's hard to fill that spot. There's only a few elite tight ends in the league. So if Kyle Pitts is generational, he should, 
at minimum be in that top tier of tight ends in the league in his career. At most, he should be the number one tight end for years. So uh, I'm taking Kyle Pitts. And now at the turn, at the 201 here in, in this uh, mock draft, um, I think I'm going to go running back here. Um, like Zach said earlier, there's a lot of talent at, te- at wide receiver that you can choose from. The top end wide receiver is already gone. Um, so I'm going running back with Javante Williams. I know Kerry's going to be crushed here. Uh, But, I mean, Najee, best landing spot. But uh, year one, Kerry already talked about it. Javante Williams, he's not going to see as many touches. Gordon's still there. Denver, maybe Denver wants to trade him, so they're going to give him touches to keep his productivity up so that they can get value from him. But uh, Williams is is a true workhorse back and he runs with that thunder and uh, he's going to continue that way in Denver. Well, that is just not what you want to see. Um, <laughs> I was really hoping he was going to come back to me. I, I had a, I have, I kind of figured that's who you're going to take, but that's real unfortunate. Um, okay. Pick two Oh two. Yeah. I, I mentioned him in the last, uh, last bit here. I, yeah, I, I really wanted Williams, but this pick in my rankings, he's just behind him. Uh, Devonta Smith uh, with Philly. He is set up to be the number one receiver there. I, I mean, we mentioned in the previous pod that uh, Philly's missed quite a bit on the receivers, but I, I truly think that Devonta Smith is a, is a can't miss uh, rookie here. We talked about his crisp route running. I mean, he is undersized. We Everybody knows that now. He's, he's officially weighed in was at 166. It's not much. That's probably my right leg and one arm, I think. But uh, um, when you have a tactitional route runner like that, that separates just based on routes, uh, I think he, I think he's going to be elite. So I will take with my two hundred two. I'll take Devonta Smith, Philadelphia. Cool. That is fantastic news. Uh, with <laughs> three, I am taking Travis Etienne. Um, that landing spot doesn't really scare me, and. Uh, just with our draft that we're doing, um, positional scarcity um, dictates that I think I got to take the last of the of like that upper crust running back. Um, and it is a confusing landing spot with James Robinson. And I'm just banking on draft capital, you know, beating the the undefeated or the undrafted free agent in Robinson. So uh, Etienne's first round uh, pick. Robinson was undrafted last year with a new coach who knows if Meyer even likes him. So uh, really banking on that. Uh, But overall Etienne offers rushing and passing upside. And I think Etienne hurts Robinson more than Robinson hurts Etienne. Um, Even before the draft, I didn't think Etienne would be a 20 carry kind of guy. Um, so I think having him in Jacksonville, letting Robinson carry the load a little bit is going to keep Etienne fresh. Um, think of how the last couple of years, New Orleans has used Kamara and, uh, and Lat Murray, um, you know, except now instead of Lat Murray, you have Robinson instead of Kamara, you have Etienne. So I think that's a great pick for me. And then, uh, to carry on with my, my theme of positional scarcity, 
at the three one, I am taking Michael Carter oh. from the Jets. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I don't think Michael Carter is what the seventh best player in this draft, but uh, you guys can go start Kenny Gainwell or Trey Sermon or whatever in your running back spots. Oh my! I didn't think you're going to take both. I thought one was going to slide, at least one. Uh, Michael Carter, he's in a pretty good spot. Uh, day three draft capital, so it's not uh, not what you want to see. It's not what a lot of people expected, but uh, I think he's in a really good spot for him. Really looking at that depth chart, there's nobody of note ahead of him. There's guys like Ty Johnson, Telvin Coleman, um, the young guy from last year out of Florida. Ryan, Michael P. Ryan. Michael P. Ryan. So there's really nobody that... <laughs> there's nobody that's really scaring me off of taking Michael Carter uh, from from New York there. Um, just one note though, he's, he's pretty small. So I think that's going to kind of keep him a lot like Etienne away from being that workhorse back, but uh, he has pass catcher upside and he's in a perfect scheme. That's going to match his talents with that uh, outside zone uh, that I'm assuming Salah brought over from, from the 49ers. So uh, super stoked. Uh, got both my running backs, got my flex filled. So, and I think the wide receiver position is still really deep. Um, I'm, I'll be happy with any of the next like five guys to pick from. So you guys can go ahead and battle for that. Uh, whatever's left on the bone at running back. Yeah. Um, did not see that one coming, to be honest. I kind of figured you were going to go running back receiver, not fill that flex spot off the hop. So that's not necessarily what I wanted. I played the game and it didn't pound out. So uh, 302, I'm going to take – let's go Rashad Bateman, Baltimore. I think um, I think a lot of people are really scared about the Baltimore offense because, quote-unquote, Lamar Jackson cannot throw the football. Well, Lamar Jackson really hasn't had anybody to throw the football too. Um, so I think he has an opportunity to step in and be that one and be the hyper-targeted guy. Like was in, uh, like, uh, Lamar Jackson still threw, was it 30, 30 touchdowns? What was your, what was your thing from, uh, that third episode there, Armand? From 39, but yeah, people underestimate Lamar Jackson's passing ability by so far. Somebody needs to be the receiver for him. And somebody's going to be hyper-targeted. They, we saw that they keyed on the tight end position a little bit because the tight end position became the hyper-targeted uh, favorite of Lamar Jackson. So I think uh, Rashad Bateman was a guy I was really high on. If Actually, if I have my rankings here, uh, I think he was my number three or my number four, actually. So uh, I'm quite high on Bateman. And I and the, the draft spot, I mean, it's not my favorite landing spot, but it doesn't scare me off too much of the talent. So I'm going to take Rashad Bateman for Minnesota. Uh, Baltimore at pick 302. Nice, nice. You know, I was, it doesn't change this pick, but that changes my next pick. So my pick here at the uh, 303 is uh, Jalen Waddle in Miami. Um, he's been comped to Tyreek Hill, and you gotta love Tyreek Hill, especially in fantasy. Um, big home run heading ability right and even pre-draft I was super high on him I think even after landing spots here 
I'd still put Chase number one in my receiving rankings. But then that tier one would be Waddle and Bateman pretty close in the one, two, and one, three for wide receivers, and Smith at one, four. So to get Waddle, my potentially second favorite receiver, as the fourth receiver off the board, I'm pretty happy with. Um, so uh, he's the end of the tier. Got to take receiver here. And I, I like Waddle here. Now I wanted to take Bateman. So now I'm kind of reeling here. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to it's staring me at the face. But it might be a bit of a reach. And I might regret it later on. But my my last three picks that I want to make here, I think uh, I think they're going to slide a little bit. The The guys I'm high on, maybe not most people are. So I'm going to take another franchise generational talent with Trevor Lawrence here. Um, I mean, he was the clear-cut number one football-wise. He is going to be the clear-cut number one dynasty-wise. Trevor Lawrence is going to be my 401 pick here. Hmm, okay, I wasn't thinking quarterback, so that doesn't change my pick, but I've got to get a running back here. I lost out on my two guys trying to play the game, and the game didn't really work out here. Um, I'm going to take uh, four or two. I'm going to go Trey Sermon from San Francisco. Um, <laughs> he was a guy that kind of liked, uh, I mean, not obviously the upper echelon of running backs, but um, the landing spot, it's one of those ones where if you can – if the cream rises to the top, you're going to have gold. We talked about how much we like San Francisco's offense already. And Trey Sermon, I mean, he's not elite. Like he hasn't shown to be elite yet, but he is a very, very capable back. And if he does take over that, uh, that role in San Francisco, I think he, uh, that's a really prime position to have. We've already seen with San Francisco with the injury problems and whoever their lead back was, it has been really good for fantasy. So if Trey Sermon can, can rise to the occasion and take over that position in San Francisco, then that's going to be a, and that's going to be a prime location. And especially to get them this late in the draft uh, when, when you need to start picking off some running backs here, I think that's a, it's a great pick. So I'm going to take Trey Sermon from San Francisco as my first running back. I like that pick a lot for you there, Jordan. Uh, it was a toss up for, for me between Sermon and Carter. Um, went with Carter, just a little bit higher rated pre-draft. So Stick with your board for me. Um, so with my next two picks here, my running backs are full. My flex is full. So I'm going to double dip at receiver. Um, so I guess first I'll go with uh, Terrence Marshall. Um, I, I certainly thought he had first round talent before the draft. Uh. Fell a little bit. Um, I looked into it. Sounds like there's some uh, possible nagging uh, injuries, I guess. Um, that have been dogging him for a little bit. So he kind of fell a little bit, but still first round talent, I think offers that inside outside potential um, look for him to maybe play all three receiver positions uh, pairs up with his old college OC and Joe Brady now in Carolina and with Curtis Samuel moving on that vacates just South of a hundred targets. So I'm not saying Marshall will soak up a hundred targets, but don't be surprised if he if he gets some looks. And uh, I would certainly not be surprised if after, you know, a year or two, we're all sitting here thinking, how on earth did Terrence Marshall 
fall all the way to day two. If you if you had to pick one guy that's going to fall and you were shocked about it, I I would say that's got him and Elijah Moore. I think those are my two guys that I think that are, will be shocked because I in my pre-draft like in my my mock my mock draft pools I had Elijah Moore pencil in the Titans in the twenty second pick. So I think those yeah, are two guys that I'm in a great spot. I'm too I'm quite I'm shocked those guys slid. Yeah, so I I think those will be guys that we're gonna look back and be like, oh man. How did that happen? But once again, yeah. NFL draft, baby. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of Elijah Moore, here we go. So start the fifth round. I'm going to, with Elijah Moore out of the New York Jets. Um, the fact that he went to the Jets, I uh, I hate. Um, I don't think I – I don't want any Jets on my fantasy rosters. Um, can't forgive myself for cheering for them but I got two of them today. So look at me go. Um, you hear that first you, folks converted Pat's fan to Jets fan. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you draft Elijah Moore in the coming months, especially in dynasty, you have to know what you're getting into and you have to know that you, you'll likely need to be patient with them. Um, right now, if I had to guess, I'd say the top three receivers for the Jets are going to be uh, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder. Um, whether they cut Crowder uh, in the coming months and save a little bit of money, or they let Crowder play out the last year of his contract, that's uh, to be determined. But I think Crowder is going to be the guy that holds more back this year, potentially. Um, I think once Crowder leaves the Jets, whether this year or after the season, he is somebody that could have. Tyler Lockett upside. Um, he doesn't offer elite uh, size or speed, but it's got really good routes, quite deadly with the ball in his hands. So I think he's going to be somebody that Zach Wilson really, really likes, whether it's with just quick screens or designed uh, easy throws. So just like Jordan said, uh, Terrence Marshall, Elijah Moore could be two guys that we look back on as second round steals, uh, from the NFL draft. Yeah, quite possible. I like that pick a lot there, Zach. I mean, I was bringing him up a little bit, kind of maybe Seward Armand <laughs> might bring up his name there, but, uh, my, my, uh, receiver position and flex is full. So it didn't bother me none. Um, all right here. What am I on? Pick 502. Um, I'm going to play the game and hope my guy gets back to me. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to fill my running back position after this, after this individual, I think it drops in my mind quite a bit. Uh, so I don't want to be left here uh, really, really crying uh, over my already not fantastic running back crew, but I'm going to take Kenneth Gainwell uh, from Philadelphia. I think we talked about him enough on the previous pod there, but his upside obviously is catching the ball. He's the number one catching running back at the draft he slid and slid and slid. And it was almost like it was the question when, when is Kenneth Gainwell finally going to get yeah. drafted? And we were uh, texting each other the whole draft. Yeah. And Philadelphia finally pulled the pin and, and took him. I'm still on the fence, whether I really like that or I don't. Um, I mean, they already have pretty talented running backs in there with, uh, with Boston Scott and with Miles Sanders. I mean, Miles, Miles Sanders is obviously the one he's going to carry the workload. Uh, Boston Scott has already shown come in and shown that he can catch the ball. He can play that uh, that specialized role. And obviously, picking up Jordan Howard, 
I, I honestly don't know if Jordan Howard makes the active roster. I, I doubt it. Um, so now getting Kenneth Gainwell, well, is he going to replace Boston Scott and be the third down role? Is he maybe going to chew into Miles Sanders a little bit? I mean, the, the low draft capital says it's not a high investment. So maybe he's only going to be like a returning specialist. That was a, that was a comment uh, uh, one of my fantasy football friends there had given me. Uh, and I said, you know what, actually it makes some sense with the draft capital, but uh, I was very high on him going into the draft just because of the, the catching ability. So I guess he's my, and he is my next running back off the board here uh, and on my ranking. So I'll take Kenneth Gainwell to pick 502. I actually love the landing spot for, uh, for Kenny G there. Um, like the new head coach for the, for the Eagles, uh, Nick Sirianni, mm-hmm. I think I pronounced it correct. You did. Uh, is he's from the Colts. So think, uh, Naheem Hines kind of role there for, uh, for Gainwell and, uh, looking at the receiver room for the Eagles, there's really nothing set in stone there. They, they have Rager from last year. They have Smith from this year, but Gainwell, a former wide receiver, I'm not saying they're going to use him solely as a wide receiver, but he can offer a little bit of uh, receiving upside. Yeah. So I yeah. like that pick a lot for, for you and for the actual, um, like the Eagles, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, uh, Gainwell is maybe someone I should have taken when I uh, was reeling and reaching for Trevor Lawrence there. Oh, Same with Terrace Marshall. I would have been pooped um, at the running back yeah. position. You know, but uh, yeah, that landing spot, I, I kind of like it. He's he's a versatile weapon that I think you can get him involved in any part of the game. And and so he could even be on the field at the same time as Sanders. And I kind of talked about it last week with the less is more for Sanders. And maybe Gainwell's part of that plan. Maybe they picked Howard just in case, picked him up. And now he's going to be kicked to the curb and we're going to see more gain. Well, yeah. Um, so that leaves me here. I'm not too sad though. Cause there's a player here that I think fell in the draft and he got I mean, actually not bad landing spot. Hey, okay? um, I'm going to take Chubba Hubbard here. I'm going to Carolina. He's, he's got that big playability. He's talked about how he wants to model his game after CMC. So who better to play behind than the guy you're modeling your game after? So um, I think it's it's not a bad landing spot for him, actually, and I'll talk about it a bit more in my hot take. A little preview for you there, a little, a little uh, letting, the, letting the spoilers go a bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind it there. Carolina's got a got a good knack of getting running backs working and and Chubb is in my mind he was one of the top five running backs going into the draft so and, I'm happy to get him here and uh 601 well this is I guess your second last pick here yeah so here in this one is where I wanted to get Terrace Marshall actually little sad he went but I I did have another receiver in mind um I'm taking Kadarius Tony. Um, going to the New York Giants. Um, Galladay's there now, but Tony could end up being the wide receiver too. Sterling Shepard, he's reliable and whatnot, but he's nothing special. And Kadarius Tony, a lot of people have talked about him being just a a bigger version of Waddle that might be not quite as fast 
and Waddle is compared to Hill. I mean, I'm really weaving quite a complicated web here, but I I like it. I, I was kind of high on Tony, too. So going in here, I think he was in my top five pre-draft or no, maybe top six, actually. Um, I like him, like him a lot, actually. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Armin sitting there counting cards and just trying to piece all the webs. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I have two positions left. I need to fill either my tight end position or my quarterback position. And honestly, I am very happy with who will fall to me at quarterback, whoever Zach has to take there. Uh, so I'm happy with either one of them. So I'll take my, my transitioning piece. Like I mentioned, I'll take, I'll take Pat Fryermuth from Pittsburgh. I had him as my three and Brevin as my two strictly just off of athleticism from Brevin. Uh, I mean, but then his pro day, he didn't really show up that much. He kind of struggled in the pro day and then he dropped. What was he like the tight end seven off the board or tight end six off the board? It wasn't good. He yeah. dropped, dropped, dropped. So obviously that kind of maybe tells what the NFL thinks about Brevin Jordan. We could be wrong. That's we we got some of the tight ends that have popped off that have been fifth, sixth round picks in the past. I mean, who knows? But Pat Farmer from Pittsburgh, um, big body, big targets in the red zone. Um, he's gonna be competing for targets, but I, I do like the I like the upside of Farmer there. Awesome. Well, just like uh, Jordan, I'm left with a quarterback and a tight end. Got back to back picks here, so it doesn't matter. Um, let's go with Brevin Jordan for tight end out of Houston. Um, the ball's got to go somewhere in Houston. It might go, might go to Brevin Jordan. Who the heck knows? Um, rumor has it is that Watson is, is like officially like lots of people think that he's done in Houston, whether or not it's a suspension or a release, but, uh, whoever's throwing the ball in Houston, Maybe Brevin Jordan is is the guy. Who knows? And then for quarterback, let's go with uh, with Trey Lance. Um, this is more landing spot than anything. Um, I think Trey Lance fits that Shanahan San Fran uh, scheme to a T. I think it's a match made in heaven. Lance has all of the physical tools you could possibly want, surrounded by great weapons: Debo, Ayuk, Kittle. Um, He's a thousand yard rusher years from a season ago. So passing and rushing upside. Um, but just like Elijah Moore, you will need to be patient when you draft Trey Lance, especially in a super flex. Um, if you draft Lance in a standard draft, one QB draft, you're probably not banking on him playing right away. But if you do in a super flex, you are, you know, good chance that you're hoping for him to play right away. But uh, until Jimmy G's gone, I think there's a good chance that Lance backs up Garoppolo for at least a season. Yeah. You had mentioned quite a bit there, what is your hot take last episode too, that you're all in on the San Francisco quarterback, whoever it was. Yeah, whoever goes um, Well, this makes it easy for me. I was happy with either him or Fields. Uh, in all honesty, I kind of uh, preferred Fields a little bit as he was my 102 uh, in our – uh, quarterback rankings last episode. So I'll take uh, Justin Field, Chicago. It's going to kill me to kill uh, to cheer for Chicago. Um, I mean, I'm hoping that Chicago striked out the first time they uh, they tried traded up for a quarterback, and now they hit the hit the gold here trading up for Fields. And obviously, with uh, with our rankings of Fields, we we truly think he is uh, he's a talented quarterback with the with the rushing upside. 
And obviously you can't argue against the heart that Justin Field has. And, and that's the guy I want on my team is the guy that brings the heart on the roster. So Justin Fields, I'll take as my, uh, my final pick, 702, Justin Fields quarterback. Yeah, here's where, where I regret that uh, pick of Trevor Lawrence's. I would have been happy with four of the of the quarterbacks coming to me, and there's only three of us here. I mean, if you're in an actual league, I mean, you can reach for Trevor Lawrence a bit because you might not get him at the turn when QBs start going off the board, or you might not get a QB when QBs start going off the board. But if you're in that, that range of – of being able to be in the in the run if a run starts you you can wait you can definitely wait i think with this qb class eh? um so with my last pick and the last pick of our uh, little mock draft here i'm gonna go with a guy that um all three of us i think had in our top 10 i think though the fantasy community was sleeping on him a little bit he was being slept on a little bit in in the cbs and all the experts pre-draft rankings but he ended up getting good draft capital, and that's important. And he got a decent landing spot. And I'm going with Dwayne Eskridge in Seattle now. Hey, I like that pick. <laughs> hey, hey, thank you. So, I mean, Seattle, you got Russ throwing him the ball. Russ is a great QB. They want to throw the ball. like They're going a little bit more back to the run, but they're a team that throws the ball still. And they're going to put up yardage. He's going to be behind DK for sure. You know that. But um, with the volume there, I think you get a ride receiver two or even three there, and you, you could be laughing, especially this low in the draft with the other options available. So And and who knows how much longer Lockett's going to be playing at his elite level. So he could be the guy that's next in line right after Lockett kind of starts going downhill. He could have some immediate impact too. I mean, you saw what uh... – what David Moore did with his opportunities, yeah. he had immediate impact. I mean, David Moore is not like a guy you're taking high in your drafts. He undrafted or free, or he's a waiver wire pickup, but he had immediate fantasy implications right away. So, I mean, that'd be a guy that might have to wait a little bit to pop off as maybe a highly touted dynasty asset, but he could have some, he could have some fantasy relevance this season too, for sure. Yeah. Definitely um, worth the flex. Yeah, absolutely. So rounding off our teams here, Zach is one of one. You want to read off your roster? Sure thing. Uh, quarterback, I have Trey Lance. My running backs are Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Wide receiver, Elijah Moore and Terrence Marshall. Tight end, the one and only Brevin Jordan. And my flex is Michael Carter. Uh, as the 102 position, uh, my team rounds out as Justin Fields as my quarterback. My running backs are Trey Sermon and Kenneth Samuel. <laughs> Uh, my wide receivers are Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith. My tight end is Pat Firemuth. And as my flex position, I have Rashad Bateman. All right. Drafting from the third slot and the, the end of the snake draft, which actually is a spot I don't mind having because you get two top tier guys right off the bat. So at my quarterback, I have Trevor Lawrence, the generational talent. I have at running back, Javante Williams and Chuba Hubbard. At wide receiver, I have Jalen Waddell and Kadarius Toney, two Hill-like receivers. At tight end, I got the creme de la creme of tight ends, Kyle Pitts. And at my flex, I got the sneaker 
sleeper pick of Dwayne Eskridge. I'm pretty happy with this team. Right on. Maybe I'll uh, put up a little image or something like that on Instagram and we'll see. Uh, we'll put it up for a little bit of a vote and see, see what people think. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get it going a little bit. Um, <laughs> wrapping everything up here, you guys, with this episode, we have our uh, ice cold hot takes. And same as usual, special guest gets to swing it off. So, uh, Zach, give us your uh, hot take of this episode. All righty. Well, this is going to go counter to my, to my draft strategy where I just took three running backs. But uh, my hot take for today is that none of the running backs drafted uh, this weekend will average more than more than 63 yards per game this season. Um, 63 yards made like, why did you pick 63 yards? Well, um, in a 16 game schedule, you need 63 yards to average a thousand yards in the season. And that is the, the standard benchmark for an above average running back. Um, this year, going to the 17 game regular season, a uh, thousand yards is going to be just that a little bit easier to get. So I didn't want to say a thousand yards, but um, none of the running backs will average more than 63 yards a game. Um, looking at the running backs drafted last year, uh, Tom or Taylor had just over 1,100 yards rushing. Robinson just over a thousand yards rushing. Uh, players like Swift, Dobbins, Akers, and Gibson all at least 200 yards below 1,000 yards. So it's not a shoe in. It's not a guarantee that even these like elite high end running backs are going to get um, a thousand yards their rookie season. Um, the only guy that I'm really, really scared of, of, uh, making me look like a fool would be Najee Harris. So I kind of looked into it a little bit today. Um, so Najee's replacing James Connor in 13 games. Connor had 721 yards, good for 55 yards per game average. So that's well below the 63 that he would need. Um, and then behind Connor, there was Benny Snell. 370 yards and Anthony McFarland 113 yards um as a team the Steelers had or the, the top three rushers had just over 1200 yards and PFF had their O-line as the 17th in the league so very average and that was for last year and they lost Villanueva their their tackle so um looking at what they did last year in Pittsburgh and looking at all of their, the other most defeat on offense. I think that uh, Harris has a shot, but uh, it's a steep road to climb for him. And then the other guys, they all have stuff in their way. Williams has Gordon in the way. Um, that'll be a true timeshare. I think Etienne, he's more of a kind of do everything back. I think. Um, so I don't think a thousand yards is realistic for him, especially with Robinson in town. Um, I looked at Kamara as a comp for Etienne and Kamara's never had a thousand yards rushing, you know, total yards for sure. Kamara's had plenty, but never a thousand yards rushing. So I would be surprised if any of the running backs that are rookies this year have more than 63 yards per game average. Yeah, that's that hot. 
That's hot. Yeah. My question, Zach, is uh, with combined yards, do you think any of them, I would say kind of the benchmark for combined yards for an RB would be maybe 1,200. Do you think any of them will go over that? So we're talking receiving and, and rushing? Yeah. Well, I think Etienne and, and Harris would have that potential, I think. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think I think you're right to where, where Najee, if somebody's going to do anything, it's got to be Najee. That's yeah. Yeah. standard, so... Uh, I guess once again, as our hot takes have been going off uh, so far this year, time will tell and time will tell on that one for sure. <laughs> uh, Armand, hit us with your hot take. I know this one's spicy and you might get some, uh, some reactions from this one. Yeah, I, I am really curious as to what I'm going to get back on this one. Um, it's probably my spiciest one yet. I'm kind of echoing and parroting myself a little bit too with how my uh, argument for it is going to go here. But uh I'm going to say that Chubba Hubbard and CMC are going to be an RBBC this year and that um, it's going to work out well. Okay. So here, here's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> CMC is elite and no, like I'm not saying that CMC isn't elite, that he's not going to put up big numbers. I'm not saying that I'm actually going to be saying the opposite here. Okay. But in like, Carolina's got to start wondering here, like he's turning 25 before the season starts, you know, like he's starting to get those that wear on the tires a little bit higher. And they got to be thinking like, how can we get as much juice and productivity or years out of this guy as we can? Cause we, we're, we just got Sam Darnold and we're, we got to build for a little bit of a future here. So they're going to be wanting CMC in those plans, right? So they got to try and get as much out of them. And that's where Chubba Hubbard comes in. Okay? He's a fourth round rookie. Okay. But he's the next guy in line in Carolina. He's got college productivity in 2019 that shows he can be elite. I talked about how he wants to model himself after CMC too. So he hopefully will have that same playing style as CMC, be able to do the same things. They can just interchange him easily like that. Um, and CMC has had more than 600 touches in, in the two years that he played fully. And then last year was injury, injury riddled. So um, I think CMC touches are still going to be high enough that he can be a top tier running back. Um, he's going to be seeing the field in the critical moments for sure. And then probably more of a 50-50 split, I bet um when it's not in those critical critical moments okay um unless chubba hubbard is like going off and then we might if he has the series he might be able to finish it in the critical moment um so i'm thinking cmc is going to finish as a top five fantasy asset still this year he's still going to be top five in rbs and chubba hubbard is going to be a, a top 30 okay he's going to be a top 30 asset now that's full season week by week, he's going to have some, some valleys and, and peaks here going this year. Okay. It's going to be hard to determine when to play him. So, because he, when he goes off, he'll probably go off, but he might have games where he doesn't get much productivity. So that's my hot take. Carolina's so, rushing for 5,000 yards. <laughs> season, I guess. Is, uh, Armin, you said top 30, is that top 30 running back or just top 30 overall? top 30 running back so he's going to oh, be like an rb3 in fantasy okay uh, like oh. kind of 
kind of like those guys that you kind of look at and you're like, oh, should I pick them up? Should I not? You know, should I have them on my roster or should I play them or should I not? You know, it's going to be a tough call to play them each week. But yeah, I think the only way that happens is if CMC gets hurt but has put up CMC numbers in the past <laughs> where he still finishes a top five when he misses three games, you know, like I, I, Oh man, that that's a spicy take. It's a real yeah, I think they got, they got to start uh, bringing his touches down a little bit, but you know, you bring his touches down a little bit, less is more again, bring his touches down. He's fresher. He's going to explode. He's going to have home run hitting ability. Same with Chubbard. He has home run hitting ability. So, and that offense it runs through CMC, and I don't see that changing too much either. You had uh, you had a comment there, Zach? Yeah, one of my favorite things about the draft is in the days that follow, all of the neat little stories about uh, trade conversations or or phone calls from coaches to players that come out on Twitter. And uh, the, the Chubba Hubbard pick, the story is right now that yeah. uh, Matt Rule's wife – phoned him and was like what the heck is this guy doing not drafted what is he doing on the board you should draft that is your next pick yeah Yeah. that's an unreal story she reminded him of how how badly chubba ran over baylor when (laughs) when he was the coach there (laughs) yeah he ran all over you you should draft him and then phones the pick and unreal yeah um my hot take this one's gonna be a little bit short a little sweet um of the two unc running backs drafted this season michael carter is going to put up better fantasy points in 2021 than uh his counterpart javante williams now don't don't hear what i'm not saying i'm drafting javante williams higher than michael carter okay (laughs) just javante williams in his committee he has the opportunity to pop off but you're gonna have to battle for it a little bit and i think it's unlikely where Michael Carter stepped into a premier landing spot. And I truly think we are underselling Michael Carter a little bit. Uh, don't, I'm not saying he's a top tier echelon, but I think he has the capability because he's been sharing that load with a guy that was traded up for in the high twos. And he's been sharing the load in UNC. Uh, in his 2019 numbers, he had 177 carries for uh, just over 1,000 yards with, uh, and three touchdowns. Okay, And then 2020, while he was sharing that load with Javante Williams, he had 156 carries, 1,245 yards, and nine scores. So he put up really good numbers while sharing the backfield. So I think Mike, I, I, I think Michael Carter is a pretty good pick here for uh, for the Jets. And they were looking at taking a running back in the second. And I think they're quite surprised that one of the higher end quarterbacks dropped all the way to their lap in the third in the third there. So he kept dropping, kept dropping. The Jets jumped all over it. So um he doesn't have much to beat out they signed Tevin Coleman whatever uh Michael P. Ryan, I know he's a rookie a late round pick last year not gonna be hard to beat out I don't think and Ty Johnson's been bouncing around from organization to organization so I think he's gonna have an easy path to try and be the one there uh, I don't think he is a bell cow back I think it's gonna be a maybe a timeshare between him and Coleman but uh like we mentioned Michael Carter has the high upside of catching the ball and I think he, uh, I think he's going to outscore. So he is going to be the lead back from UNC to lead statistically uh, in fantasy points in 2021. Now I'm still taking Williams in 105, baby, but uh, but Michael <laughs> Carter is going to be the asset to own of 2021. So that's more of redraft. You want Carter, Dino. You want Williams. Correct. Correct. Now once again, 
I hope I'm wrong because uh, I want Williams to pop off on my team this year, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Count my chickens before they hatch, watch I'll get snagged at 104 or something. But <laughs> I was going to say, like, you just told everyone who you're picking at 105. Don't, don't matter. I'm taking it. Locked it in. I guess you know 102 to or 101 to 103, so it's only in the 104. Yeah, I locked it in. I locked it in now. So if it goes, then I don't know. I'll be more. I'll be more mad than uh, James Robinson losing his stock in pick 25. So. <laughs> um, any uh, any final comments here, fellas? Um, you know we forgot to mention this at the beginning, but teachers in Saskatchewan just became eligible to get vaccines and all three of us got our first dose of of the good uh good old uh vaccine in our arm this this last weekend and I'm pretty excited about it yeah big thanks to Sask Health and uh, all the all the first line workers that are, are able to make that possible for all of us so big thanks to big big thanks to the, the frontline workers in Sask Health and obviously a big thanks to Zach Strong here uh, coming on for the two-part uh, two-parter with us. Uh, obviously, uh, we're trying to set the uh, we're trying to set the nails in there, set set the talons <laughs> in to, to bring them on in and rope them in to be uh, be a, a full contender on this uh, podcast. But we enjoyed having you for the two episodes. Obviously, bringing in some insight from from Patriot Talk all the way down to draft analysis. So we re- really appreciate you being on the podcast here for these last couple episodes. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm like that puppy that. Uh... The kid brings home, the dad kicks out. I come back. <laughs> Look um, what we found. <laughs> yeah. I have a great time. Uh, both both uh, last time and this time was a blast. So anytime you guys want to have me, uh, be happy to sit in here and make some bizarro cool takes with you. Absolutely. Uh, well, I guess that'll do it for today. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. I'm going to start maybe uh, talking about the gauntlet here. I'm, in our fantasy league i've been going after the gauntlet nine nine draft nine trades i'm down eight out of nine so i need one more to go so maybe that'll drop on the next episode so that'll do it for episode number six here uh thanks again to zach strong for taking part of this um jordan carrier armin Schalberg here your host of 306 fantasy football uh thanks to all the listeners and uh follow us on social media 306 ffb and watch us on youtube and all podcast platforms that'll do it for this week everybody Uh, Take care and talk to you soon.